Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, uh, my guest today is one of the greatest Americans I know, except he happens to be Irish. Uh, he has been a tireless cheerleader for the ideals and constitutional constitutional foundations that have made this country the shining city on the hill in spite of its flaws. He is the host of Freedom's Disciple that airs every Saturday on Blaze Media and YouTube. He has over 275 episodes talking about the principles that have made America such a beacon of hope that he has devoted more than 16 years of his life trying to legally become a citizen. He is also a keynote speaker and occasional writer for the Libertarian Republic and glennbeck.com. Welcome, Jonathan Dunn. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Thanks for being back. It's uh, you. You were my first international guest, and now you're my third. No, oh, cool. second. I interviewed awesome. my wife. I interviewed my wife's aunt, who is from England. So awesome. I, I've got two now. Two under my belt. Two international guests, man. Here we go. We're on a roll. Okay. Well, that's the you know the game. The goal for this interview then is not to be the worst that you've ever had. <laughs> I'm sure. You're fifty percent now. Right. <laughs> I know I've got, I've got a good chance. So just don't say it in stupid. Um, anyway, just, I, I wanted to just, you know, have you on again because I've just been impressed with your, your dedication, um, you know, to the principles, you know, that have made like this country, what it is and the beacon that it is. And you know, I dare to say that a lot of Americans, including myself, uh, are not too familiar with those values. Uh, you know, yet we all benefit from them um so it's it's you almost make me ashamed of my lack of progress but you know i'm getting there but you've you should really open my eyes and a lot of people's eyes in america to evaluate like oh my gosh this is a pretty amazing place and the values that have created it are pretty outstanding um well, in your defense and your, your fellow citizens defense, you know, you guys have had it good for a pretty long time. So you haven't had to search out, Hey, my life sucks. Why, why, you know, what why are the does problems? it suck? Yeah. Um, whereas when you grow up in utopia like Ireland, and I always say this, the Irish people are really nice. I don't have many bad things to say about them. The country is nice, but you know, when it comes to politics and when it comes to principles, um, we're very much in the category of what I call, like to call man's law or the era of popular opinion. So if it's popular today, that doesn't mean it's going to be popular tomorrow. And we, we kind of just go from, you know, party to party and, you know, but all the things stay the same. And one of the things that's impressed me most about learning about your country is, yeah, your politics change, you know, you're, you've got left and right and Democrats and Republicans and liberals and conservatives. But at the core philosophy of that a foundational stone is what I call nature's law and nature's God, the principles your founders fought in revolution for. And that has inspired me ever since. And I believe the, you know, today America can learn a lot from your founders, but the world can learn a lot from it. And especially with 2020 and all the government overreach that we've seen that there is an, there is an ear and a responsibility for anyone who knows freedom to not demean other people not say hey you're an idiot because you believe in government or you believe in this party or that party but to actually just say no challenge it you know why does the government have this power where does it get its power um understanding that there's a higher being there's a higher purpose um, and that this you know government is responsible to the people not to rule over the people but to protect its rights and that you know is a pretty much key philosophical point that your government and your nation was founded upon 
do you think the I, I guess maybe our 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 luster in the world goes gets shinier and more dull depending on the political climate, or do you think that that desire to seek out what we have is ever growing? And I know it is for you because you're you're so well plugged into you know what's going on. But do you think around the world that the people wanting to come here for that freedom, for that new life, that you know is just as strong as it used to be, or does it fluctuate? Do you think? So I. You, you, that's a very layered and tiered question. I'll answer it in completion for you, if you don't mind. If you talk, look at, it all depends on how you judge your reputation abroad by either by the people or by what is po- considered popular opinion. A lot of people like some Americans would be about Irish politics or English politics are rather ignorant. And they have this very perception, whether regardless, whether it's based on reality, this comes through the media and what people read Republican, bad Democrat, good. And even when you confront people, like I I give you a funny story. My gran was one of these people and she used to love people, the Democrats used to love the democratic party. There was many reasons for that, which I won't bore you with the details, but she used to idolize Ted Kennedy. And I remember the first time I told her about Chappaquiddick and she's like, well, there has to be some more to that story. I'm like, I've told you pretty much everything, but you go do your own homework. Uh, but she found every reason to justify it. And there were, you know, and I said, well, if a Republican did it, what would the be reception? She's like, oh, well, then it's really bad. So it's true. The media that you see Republican good, bad re- Democrat good. And that's always been the way it was. Reagan was bad. Reagan was just a dumb Hollywood person. Bush was a warmonger. Clinton was awesome. Um, and I, in, to, to be fair to the Irish people, I understand, I understand, I don't agree with it, but I understand why they like Bill Clinton, because it has to do with the work he did under the peace process, and people give him a lot more credit than I would say he deserves, but I can understand that logic. Obama was awesome. Hillary Clinton is good. Obama was the cool child. So from the media perspective and what you will see and what would be considered popular opinion, Republican, bad, Democrat, good. However, Popular opinion is what we think and what, you know, anyone can say something's popular. I could get on your show and say, well, the Yankees are the most popular team. I guarantee you, any, some people listening to that would just go, oh my God, shut up. It's popular. It, it's what we define as the parameter. But the proof is in the pudding. You look at the amount of people who still aspire to get to your nation. Forget me because I'm different because I want to get there for different reasons. I want to get there because I want to live free. But if you look at the amount of people who are going, you know what? I want to make a better life for myself. I want to be rich. I want to run my own business. I've got this great idea. I want to do a certain thing. Where are they running to? The proof is still in the pudding. Despite all the media controversy over there that America is racist, that America is this horrifically bad nation, that you know you should be ashamed of yourself, yet they all pour into it. But also I would challenge the Americans in there. There was this famous trigger from the left when Trump won. Oh, if Trump wins, I'm going, I'm moving from America. Yeah, y'all said that, but did you do it? No. So despite what everyone says and despite the popular opinion about America's day, best days are behind or America's heading to an uncertain future or America this or America's horrible, the proof in the pudding is people still want to go there People still want to trade with you and Hollywood celebrities still want to live there. Well, when I, I lived in uh, Palm Springs, California for eight years and, you know, 50 miles from the border, Mexican border. And there were a couple little towns near in, in the, the valley there where Palm Springs is that were, I would call them, you know, kind of dumpy towns and, you know, very, very low income. Mm-hmm. And yet 
people were still flocking and risking their lives to get to that place, which I would consider a crap hole. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking all these people who say we're so horrible, I'm like, if, if we're horrible, imagine what they're coming from, that they're risking their lives, literally, in some cases, to get here. Yeah, because the, the thing about life is when you put life into context, um, you have to understand that despite everything the media want to tell you, right here, right now, we face major problems. America faces major problems. You've got the coronavirus. You've got government overarching into your life. You've got a very divisive political system. You have the media, which flat out lies to you. Despite all the things, if you want to write down the list, what I would challenge anyone to do is write down all the things you see wrong with America or the world or whatever list you want to do, and then ask yourself one hard question. If you had a magic wand or you know, the time machine of Back to the Future was true, what data are you putting into that world? Oh, I wish I could go back where it went. Just think of all the technology that we've had. Even people say, well, you know, I wish I could go back under, you know, some like conservative friends who are like real actually conservative go, oh, I wish I could go back under Reagan. Okay, let's talk about that. Do you really? Because you don't have Facebook. And I know it's popular to bash Facebook because they do some horrifically stupid and dumb things and things I don't agree with. But you still have people who can communicate with each other. If it was back in the 80s, I wouldn't have a show on the blaze. If we, you know, we wouldn't be talking right now if it wasn't, if it was back in the eighties, in fact, if it, it would have cost us, it would have cost us a hundred thousand dollars to talk. Exactly. And also I wouldn't have, I would never have found you. Also, I would never have found out the truth about America because why, how did I find out the truth about America? Yes. I was very fortunate even from my humble background to get over there and fall in love with your country. I loved your country before I loved your ideas. I just loved the idea. If you can imagine a, a young seven or eight-year-old boy who's from Ireland going to America, you know, you know, different foods, different culture, not really seeing a whole lot of rain, but a lot of sun, palm trees, this food, beautiful women with gorgeous accents. I fell in love with your country. I fell in love with your people. But it's not what I defend and what I've done 275 shows on The Blaze about. What I've done 275 shows about is, yes, America is a great country. Yes, Americans are really good. I believe in the sentiments of Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good, honest, noble, decent people. But what I am most passionate about is America, the idea. Because there's a reason that we live in the world we do today. There is a reason that I always challenge people who don't agree with America. And I've done this time and time again. And I, it's not a challenge I set. You set the parameters of I say, pick any section of society and study its actual existence from the start of time, whether you believe this world is five, 6,000 years old or 5 billion years old or whatever the number is, and look at it and chart its advancements in that section of society that you pick, not me. I'm not going to even name any. You just pick it. Communications, telephones, standard of living, healthcare, education, whatever it is, up to 1800 AD. And they'll take the exact same thing from 1800 AD to 2020. Why is it we've advanced more in 220 years and arguably in the last hundred years than we've done in the prior thousands of years? That didn't happen. That just wasn't luck. That wasn't just, oh, it just existed because it was always going to exist. It existed and came into being because the idea of America is built around certain principles. And one of those is that you are not a collective, that you believe in the individual. And that America, the idea helps people. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect system. But in America, the idea, you have the unlimited potential to follow and pursue your own happiness. The American people have been granted the gift that they've, every person is entitled to from their creator that says you can do anything you want. You might succeed, you might fail, but you unleash the energy and individual genius of man. That's what you have done. 
and look at what you've done. The idea, if you'd said to someone a hundred years ago, there's going to be this thing in your pocket called an iPhone and you can literally do anything on it. You can talk to someone 10,000 miles away in 10 to 10 different time zones away. You can actually see them. You can send text messages. You can read a book on it. You can listen to a book on it. You can watch videos on it. They would have called you a lunatic. If you said, hey, we're going to go to the moon, which you did in the 60s, they said, hey, that'll never happen. What happened? You went to the moon. You now have an iPhone. The technology, how did that come to be? Was that just a miracle? Or was that someone said, hmm, I have this idea. You know, a phone is great, but imagine if you could read a book on your phone. Imagine if you could watch videos. Hmm, I'm going to see, can I put this to work together and then see if people will buy it? That's the idea of America. And that is the beauty of it. And that is why every country, this is not just about America. This is about the world. Every country has benefited from the idea of America. There is a phenomenal book called... Um... The 5,000-Year Leap by Leon Skousen that, that really illustrates what you just said about... Highly recommend that book. It's phenomenal. It I'd never really thought about it until I read that book, just mm -hmm. how... Yeah, you literally... The, the last 200 years, look at what's happened, and just the advancements in everything, and just and you know the iPhone, that it is a miracle to me. I'm still impressed by the telephone that plugs into a wall. <laughs> so to have this thing in my pocket that allows everyone a voice, and maybe that's a bad thing that it allows everyone a voice, but it's a miracle to me that again, you can, you and I can converse like this and then everyone can share their thoughts and be heard. And, you know, it, it's, yeah. Like, and it wouldn't have happened, you know, were the, you know, the, the foundations of freedom established. Absolutely. They, you know, and there's this argument that people will say, well, you know, it would have happened eventually. Would it? If that's your argument, why didn't it happen sooner? Right. Why didn't the natural progression of things, you know, yeah. come a like even quicker? if you think of like, think of, edu you know, of, of education, of, of healthcare, you know, like, you know, you read some of the stories and I, I'm, I'm, I love history. So I love reading a lot of the stories, but you look at, you know, and I know, I don't want to be crystal clear. I'm not a warmonger. I think war is horrifically bad. I'm just not afraid of it. But if you read the stories from your civil war and look at the, you know, there was so many hundreds of thousands of people who died in that. But a lot of them, if you say, you know, today, how do people die in war? You automatically think fatal gunshot, right? But if you actually read the stories of your civil war, a lot of people died on the operating table. It wasn't per se what we would consider a fatal shot or a fatal injury now. It's just that there was so lacking in medicine back then. Now, if you had the same war today, you wouldn't have half the amount of deaths, or I don't know what the exact percentage of it is. Why? I'm not saying that you should have war or that you should have certain things, but medicine has advanced. What we considered a death sentence 30, 40, 50 years ago is no longer a death sentence. Why is that? If you don't want to use the war example because you think it's a bad analogy, let me give you another one. 20, 30 years ago, if you had HIV, it just oh, went death dead. Yep. Dead. Okay, doctor, how long have I got? Now, today, yes, some people have a really bad standard of living, and I'm, I feel sorry for those people, but it's no longer, hey, you've got AIDS. Okay, well, have I got a month, six months, two years? What have I got, doctor? No, you can have a life, and you can take these pills. And, and maybe one day, please God, we do live in this world where if you get AIDS, it's fully curable. But, you know, how does that happen? How, how, will, how will we fix the coronavirus? Is there some bureaucrat sitting around the government going, you know what, I've got this plan, and what we're going to do is this? Or do we have people going, you know what? I, I think I have a way to solve the coronavirus or I have a way to solve AIDS or I have a way to solve whatever problem there is in this world. And then they do it. 
and then they get rewarded for it. This is a unique and novel concept of the world. And this is why America is so critical and something that I will always be on the bandwagon to support and cheer, regardless of who's president, regardless of who's in politics, regardless of how much truth or lies your media says. These are self-evident truths and they must never, ever be forgotten. And that leads me to ask, I'm just baffled by the fact that just your support of this country and the ideals and you're still struggling to get through the gate mm -hmm. that just blows my mind that that, that hasn't happened yet mm -hmm. the, well know, the, the battles and the, the hoops you're having to jump through well the the truth is you know your system of government isn't working the way it should or working in a just way right now and the fact that you have a system and, and this is both sides because when anytime i talk about immigration it's always well it's the left at fault no the right are just horrifically as bad on immigration as the left the truth is, if you want to do things in America the right way, like I do, I would never go illegal. If you want to do things the right, it's extremely expensive. It's extremely time consuming. And the chances of success are pretty low. Unless you know someone are really like super uber, uber intelligent in a certain industry. Like, and when I say a certain industry, it's usually banks, medicine, or lawyers. And I would argue that you really need new lawyers, but that's that's just that's a, that's or a different new, thing. I think Americans. Hey, well, you could do with some new banks because you know your banks yeah. suck like banks everywhere, um, but you don't have competition. Um, but the the, sac the fact of the matter is, you have a really rigid immigration system to do things the right way, um, and that's the way it should be. The problem that you have with your immigration system is is that you have an incentive now for people to say, "Oh, you broke the law. You're a dreamer." No, they're not dreamers. They just broke the law whether they did it directly themselves or whether they were brought by their parents, they just broke the law. You don't, uh, uh, you know, you don't make people who are lawbreakers good. You don't imagine me saying, I always use this example for, you know, my friends on the left who don't like when I say this way, you know, if, if, if Donald Trump, you know, Satan himself decides, you know what, screw it. I'm not paying taxes. Would you call him a dreamer? Would you like glorify him and go, Oh yeah, that's right. Donald Trump shouldn't pay his taxes. Or would you be like, no, he got to go to prison. He, 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 knew the, he, knew the, he knew the responsibilities. He knew what he was doing when he didn't pay his taxes. Now it's time to pay the piper. Um, the system of government that you have is you don't care about anyone who wants to do things the right way. And what really frustrates me is I've had conversations with politicians about this. Forget me, because it's a bigger issue. But like the idea that you can have someone, if I decided tomorrow, you know what, screw America. America owes me something. I'm getting on a flight and I'm not coming back. And I don't care. You're going to have to deport me, America. I'd be somehow noble and decent, but yet no one ever focuses on like one of my friends is married. She's an American. She's married to an English guy. They had to go through hell to get him over into America. It took them like nine months and like at least 10,000 English pounds, which is about $15,000. But to show you how rigid it was, I know someone else who went through the application form on the, you know, through all the, the you know, to get them over and get the green card. And I always get this wrong. I think their address was 419 some streets in, in England. And they put 491 on the form. They were made restart the whole process because of one little error. One digit wrong. They had to restart the whole thing. It's like, do you think that's fair? That's a, that's a revenue generating loop. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But yet, if they decide, you know what, just you're, you're coming over with me, honey. I've got a house. I'm an American. I live here. I own my own house. Just live here and, you know, let's say nothing they would be somehow decent and noble. And do you think that system is fair? Forget Republican or Democrat or solutions. Do you think that system is fair? Yeah, no. So that's the way, that's just the way it is. It's messed up mm -hmm. for sure. 
you know. And the sad and the frustrating thing is, no matter how much people change about talk about the issue, there's no end in sight. You know, if you you know whether it's Republicans or Democrats coming up with a new bill, you will legalize all the illegals over there before you make go. You know what? Maybe we need to get rid of all these illegals and you know open up the system for other people, whether it's for a hundred thousand or a hundred, you know, a million or two million, whatever the number that Americans decide. If let's say you decide, you know, we need extra two million people in here in the country on top of what it, who is considered a legal American. Guess who's getting first priority at most of those? Really a Republican or Democrat? It's the people who are already there. Yeah. Yep. So yet again, I get screwed. So And people like me. And by the way, it's not just poor me here. You know, there was a poll done and a study done by one of the think tanks uh, several years ago, and it was like 4.5 million people are in line to get into America. So that's just, to uh, do things yeah. the right way. So it's just the way it is. And that's, that's you know, that's our classic American bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Hard at work. Hard at, yeah. hard at hard at not working. I know, but the government's your friend, right? That's that's that's. I always love people who go, oh yeah, that's just government, and they'll all of a sudden say, yeah, but government's your friend and is working in your best interest. It's funny how we refer to the government as this kind of this unseen entity all the time. Oh, the government, the government. Well, who is the government? Well, the government is my neighbor who works for the city, or it's people we know, and we take. We make him. We make it a faceless monster or savior sometimes, mm-hmm. and we forget that it's made up of our friends and neighbors. Yeah. Or enemies, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it. Yeah, but also there's this. There's always this thing in in your dichotomy of politics because, and I don't. I I tend to stay away from both sides of it. But like you know, there's people who who are very comfortable when um, their side holds power. Like one of the most frustrating things happened for me in America over the last 12 years is the left and right have flipped on how they feel about America by defining on who's president. So when Obama was president, all my friends on the left were like, oh, is America wonderful? And it's such a proud moment and hope and change. And yes, we can. Now Donald Trump is president. The left are not so much. America sucks again. And the right are going, oh, isn't it wonderful, Donald Trump? He makes me proud to be an American. What do you believe there's merit to that or not on either side? You know, the idea for me that I find so sad is that your love of country, the love of idea of America is dependent on who holds the White House. And what doubly frustrates me is when you actually read your founding documents, you your politics is so out of whack that you spend all, like I guarantee you it's 2020, right? 99% of the coverage on left and right is going to be about Joe Biden and Donald Trump in some way, making them to be heroes and gods or Satan. Yeah. It's going to be all that. You spent all that time talking about constitutionally the office that has the least power. Yeah. And it's, it's like, <clears throat> it's like putting frosting on a, on a nasty cake. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty. Yeah. And it makes us feel good. But yeah, yeah. The, the substance is, is lacking. But even if even if you had the greatest president, you know the greatest president. You know if you said you know think of a thinker, and I'll use I use the one I'll always go to because I'm a Christian. You know Jesus. You know what would Jesus be like as a president? You know he's Jesus, the smartest man who ever lived. There's not one piece of information because I believe he's my savior. He hasn't got access to. But it doesn't matter what Jesus thinks if he's president because he has constitutional restraints. You know it doesn't matter. Jesus could have the solution to every problem. He, Jesus could have the solution to poverty. It doesn't matter. You can't do it under the Constitution. If you follow the Constitution, if you believe that's the power to have, the presidency has no power. All power is either in Congress for Article 1, Section 8 of the 18 clauses that they have, 
or it goes belongs to the states. So it doesn't really matter who the presidency is. So, and that's the frustrating thing. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do, and especially I'll start doing from January when I'm actually in your country, is talking about the history of your foundational, uh, of your republic, and explain as best as I can why each of your founders did this. Because again, there seems to be this this myth that says they just came by chance. You can hate the founders. You can think the founders and the constitution is the biggest pile of rubbish. I disagree, but you can think that. But the one thing that you cannot say with any credibility is that the founders were dumb and that the constitution just happened. There is a reason why there's big gaps in your history that you declared your independence in 1776 and it took 11 long years to get to the constitution. And then it took another further four years to get to the bill of rights. Now, some of that probably was the time of the day and, you know, communication and having people at the one place and, and robust debate. But the other reason was that your founders looked around the world. They just didn't go, okay, so we beat the English. Now what? They looked around. They read about ancient Rome. They read about Greece and their gods. They read about, you know, empires like Britain and said, hey, what did they do wrong and what can we approve upon? Now, is the constitution perfect? You know, you can say no. I, I think it's got a lot of merit to it and I, I defend it and support it because I think there's lots of good things in there. I'm open to changes if people have solutions and discussing it, but they looked around at other cultures going, what do we not like about them? But they also understood the oppression that they faced themselves from the king and said, hey, what do we not like? And if you understand and you actually read some of the stories from your founding, from the Revolutionary War, you'll actually see that they stopped those oppressions in the Bill of Rights, you know, the right to, the right to a speedy trial, the right to, you know, jury of your peers. They just didn't happen by chance. They happen because they suffered that egregious oppression. The right to presumption of innocence. You're innocent until proven guilty. That wasn't just, hey, that sounds good, let's do it. That was actually, hey, we actually were, when the king had power, we were found guilty. But, you know, before we even made to say, this is why I'm innocent. The presumption of guilt was there before innocence. They happened and lived through all this and they went, let's never ever go through this again. And that is why they laid out the government the way they did. Again, you can disagree with it, but them, that it, there's a reason for everything they did. Other than, you know, telling people, because my, you know, my, my, my question is like, all right, what do we do? How do we become better? But I guess it's just doing our homework more and turning off the TV and doing a little reading about, you know, why, you know, what makes this place so great and listening to folks like you, of course. Um, Bloviate. Well yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think the one thing that we need to start doing, and I think it's, 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 we're at, you know, if you read human history, whether you want to focus in on America or Ireland or Europe, there, you know, there's a saying in the Bible that's absolutely true, and it's been tried and tested and true throughout human history. And it is, this too shall pass. We are literally in ebbs and flows. Things become popular, things become unpopular. But that is why another reason why America is exception, because you said, you know what, yes, things will become popular and yes, you'll have wave elections and yes, you know, different things will come out of existence and into existence and be the, you know, the shiny new tie. But we have a core foundational set of principles that's key. You are going through an ebb and flow as the world is right now, where it is just cool to hate the other side, ever who that other side is. Mm -hmm. 
it's cool to just go, you know what, I'm just going to label you, you're, whether you're on the right, you know, you're, oh, you're right, you're the alt-right, you're a Nazi, you're a Trump supporter, you're MAGA, you're whatever, whether it's the left and you just want to go, oh, you're this, you know, you're a socialist, you're a Marxist, you're a hippie, whatever it is. It's just cool to put people in that little box and then silence them and not actually have any honest, you know, debate. And even sometimes some of the most egregious things, like I've had people come up to me and go, you know, I just don't see America the way you do. I actually kind of dislike it. Now, how do most people respond to that? Most people would respond in this climate to go, oh, you hate America. You suck. You're the problem. Then, you know, leave. Or you can have a conversation kind of go, you know what? I'm actually, let me, let me see if I can learn something here. Why do you not like America? Well, I don't like America because of this and actually have a discussion and treat people like a human. Like we were discussing, you know, in our own private conversation, you know, this idea that we have to hate everyone. And I say this as a core biblical principle is that if you understand the idea of Christianity, it's easy to like people who agree with you. You know, Christ even, you know, addressed this in one of his parables, like, you know, hey, you, you know, it's easy, even the pagans, you know, those wretched pagans who don't have any belief, you know, they, you know, when they see a fellow pagan, they're like, hey, brother, how you doing? Even pagans address pagans, you know, in a nice way. We're called not to hate people. We're called to say, look, you know, we disagree. And, and just understand that and actually start having dialogues. Because here's the thing, if you're respectful and if you're nice, guess what? There's two ways, if you, if let's just take the most egregious example in America is that you hate America. There's two ways you can have that conversation. One ends in, yeah, you know what? Everything I heard saw about the right is wrong. They, you know, is, is correct. They, you know, they, they insulted me, they lambasted me, or you can have a conversation and maybe just plant one seed. Hey, you spoke to me and said America sucks. And I planted one little seed in your conversation that says, maybe, just maybe, America isn't that bad. Maybe 2020 isn't that bad. And then you can start planting those seeds. And if you get to have another conversation, you get to plant another seed and another seed. And then all of a sudden, maybe that person becomes, hey, you know, America isn't that bad. America is actually a pretty decent country. That's our job. We're trying to educate people. We're trying to have conversations. But it's so much easier, you know, because of, of media bias and also how we treat people on social media. Just go, oh, you suck. You're, you're, you're the enemy. I hate you. And that never ends well if you read enough of human history. Well, the, 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 this timing is like phenomenally important because I just re released an article about this very thing and it's called Us Versus Them. And it's been on my mind for like 10 years how if we just would be kind to one another just and, and treat each, you know, the, 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 treat them like a human instead of like this faceless entity that you can bash. And if we just reached out with an attitude of understanding, at least for the, at the very least, just to understand where someone's coming from. Um, I use this example a lot. Um, it was a Facebook friend who every time he posted something, I just hated it. And I just, I, I felt tension and, and, and anger grow in my soul. And, and he was very articulate and I knew I couldn't beat him in an argument, but you know, I didn't, that was my attitude as I had to beat him. And so I chatted with him for years and years and I finally had him on my show and just realized that he's a human and I don't agree with the things that he espouses to, but he's respectful and he's kind and he's not a bomb thrower. And if we would just do that and it's okay that someone disagrees with you, you don't have to kill them or hate them. It's in it, or talking to someone with a different opinion, isn't going to all of a sudden make you lose all your values. And it's just, it's so easy, it seems to me. 
to solve these problems, but we get so angry, we get so emotional and we just, we dig in and we just, we, we lash out to the, to them, to the enemy. We have to destroy the enemy. We have to win at all costs instead of just having a good open discussion. And at the very least, you, you might get a new friend out of it. It's mind blowing to me. Absolutely. But also there's a deeper, uh, you know, philosophical layer to it that I think is, is sorely missing in society. And that's an era of gratefulness. Um, like if you look around at the world today, we, we have so much to be thankful for. You know, we've, we've discussed a couple of things, you know, the iPhone, you know, Zoom, which we're able to have, you know, talk on your show now and, you know, do it, you know, different aspects. We have so much to be thankful for, but we demand so much that we're not really thankful. You know, like for me, I look around at the world and I see things that everyone else takes for granted and we just don't are not thankful for like, like for me, I look around and, you know, I, I, I get frustrated like everyone else because I live in Ireland, but, you know, I look around at like something like rain and I go, oh, oh, you know, dear Lord, just like Ireland's a lovely little country, but just could rain less and be sunny more. It'd be it'd be 10 times better. But, you know, the idea of a drop of rain and all the miracle that happens of water, you know, wetness and, and, and vapor, like going up into the sky and then becoming a raindrop and then falling down, you know, because a cloud bursts off another cloud and then it, you know, goes into the soil and then it creates a plant and then, you know, plant becomes food and then, you know, we get the food and then we were sustained through life. This circle of life, it's amazing. But one of the things that frustrates me is that, that we don't have that era of gratefulness when it comes to relationships. And I'll use the most contentious one I can think of as a Christian. There is nothing that you can say to me that I find more, and offensive isn't the right word because you think offensive today, you think of all these social justice warriors. Oh, I'm offended. Ah. But I mean, just offensive in the sense of that it just goes against my core being, that Jesus didn't exist or God doesn't exist. Okay. Take that aspect of it, that that is the most you know, repugnant thing you can say to me. Now, how do I respond to that? I can be hateful. I can go, you're an idiot. There's clearly a God. I can make the case to you. But I think if we had a bit more gratitude in life, because I, when I talk to atheists, I have atheist friends. And I talk to them about God when they want to. I'm not here to you know, thump them over the head with the Bible and repent, yo, God will save you. Not that type of person. I'll talk to them and I'll answer the questions and then try and encourage them to read for themselves and do their own homework. But every time I, there's a couple of atheist friends I talk to, when I finish talking to them, I'm always so grateful that as I look at them and I go, I have a gift that you may say is not that much of a gift or you know, obviously it's made pale in comparison to other people's gifts, but I have the gift of faith. And I believe what I have is the gift of truth and knowledge of the God that you don't think exists. I have something you don't, and I'm grateful for that. I'm not despising, I'm not hating on them. But how many people do that? Now, let me flip that to an example that we discussed just a few minutes ago, the idea of there's people who hate America. I see people who hate America. I get troubled by it. I see media spinning America's a racist, horrifically bad nation. And I get frustrated and I want to go, oh my God, I just, 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 just let me have five minutes with you. Yeah, I just yeah. want to sit down and talk to you. I don't want to hit you and I want to thump you. I just, I just want to sort of indoctrinate you into my way of thinking. But then as you know, the emotion passes because that's one of the reasons social media is so bad is that you have this emotion, you see stuff and then you're triggered. And instead of going, let's just calm down. Let's just reassess. Let's just deep breathe. We go, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. I'm going to get you and bum, 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 bum. When I see all these hate America people and the emotion passes, I go, how grateful am I? I have the gift of understanding why America is exceptional. And I feel sorry for you that you don't. And I think if we had that era of gratefulness and it's a human condition, I think if we were just a bit more grateful in our society, things would be so much better. 
Well, this leads me to, you know, the, the thing you told me the other day that I, you quoted, it says, don't always assume malice where ignorance or stupidity could just as likely be the answer. Um, I, that's, that's one of the things that changed my life. That's yeah. Well that, no, because you almost have not, not like maybe compassion is the wrong word, but Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sad. You don't know what I know. Um, not to say that w- what I know is so much better than what you know, but you know, it's an additional bit of knowledge that maybe someone else doesn't have. Yeah, but also we don't take into account of the situation that people have been in. And that saying really changed my world worldview of how I see people because we don't know what's going on in the world. And I always say this to think, just think of someone you've lashed out at recently or that you weren't friendly to, or you just said something, oh, look, just come back to me in five minutes. I'll, I'll deal with you then. And you were short and abrupt with them. Is that malice? Or is that just a case of you just got the phone call going, there's a problem with your mortgage or you didn't get paid and you know, your direct debits has bounced or you, know, you can't get hold of your wife and you're worried about or you know, think of any number of what was going on in your life. Or you were just having a bad day. You just were really annoyed at something or you didn't sleep good. There's no malice in it. You weren't rude because, hey, all of a sudden you're a jerk. You were just rude or short because something was going on in your life. And I think if we automatically assume malice, like I see everyone, especially in this hyper-political environment, looking at saying things, and I, obviously there's, you know, people always latch on to the most bad examples, but just normal examples of saying things that are, you know, kind of stupid and not well thought out. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. They, they might have just, you know, gotten a Twitter war and lost. They're all butthurt over it. And then all of a sudden they say something stupid. You don't understand that. So don't, they, there's no malice in it. They've just been idiotic or they're stupid or they're hurt or they're going through a bad time or they're having a fight with their wife. Like this idea that we're, we're the most well-taught-out beings is ludicrous. Like, I yeah. don't know about you, but do you think about everything you say and do? Oh, no. Probably, to, probably to my demise. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very careful and when I'm talking to people, you know, about interviews and when I'm yeah. talking about something that's important. But like if you catch me in my my downtime and just talking to, you know, a friend or something, or when we were chit-chatting, I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. I'm just having a natural conversation. And sometimes through natural conversations, you say dumb stuff. Yeah. The difference between smart people and dumb people isn't that the case of, hey, you know, you're smart and you're dumb. No, generally they both are the same, but the difference is the smart people can catch, hey, I said that, that's wrong. Let me let me rewind. Let's stop, rewind, take that back, and let me tell you why it's right. The dumb person is like, oh, yeah, of course I said that's fine. You know, so yeah, yeah. And I'm sticking to it. That. Yeah, exactly. And then doubles down. No, of course I said that. That's absolutely right. And um, so if we can just get to a point where we're not automatically the worst person in the sliced bread. Um, like, you know, I always say this to people because I have friends on both sides of the aisle in America and you're so politically polarized. I go, do you know any stereotype? And I say this to my friends on the right to just to prove it to them. And I do the same to the left. Do you know anyone who's like, you know, what the left say about you? Where you're like, you know, a Nazi and, you know, white supremacist? No, I don't. Okay, cool. And then I say to my friends going, do you know anyone who's a Marxist and a communist? Not really, no. No, no, I'm not talking about in the media. I'm not talking about on the talking heads or online. I'm just talking about average Americans. No, I don't. So why do you automatically assume the other side do? Because my friends on the left will always say, oh, every person who voted for Donald Trump is a racist, xenophobic, homophobic, sexist, transphobic, you know, all the list. And yeah. the right does the same about the left. And kind of go, but you don't know any on your side, so why do you assume they do on the other side? There are just good people. They're not in the media. The media's a whole different kettle of fish, which we can talk about at length if you want to, and the politics. But just the average American on the street who's just like you, who just wants to put food on the table, who just wants to get on with their job and is just trying to make the best of their life. They're not automatically this communist 
who have read the communist manifesto the people on the right haven't read hitler or you know nazism or anything like that they haven't read it they're just like i just want to get on with my life just let me deal with my thing and you know i'll try and vote the best way i can will i make always the right decision probably not but just let's get on with it and if we just don't assume malice when people propose <laughs> a policy that you don't like or you're opposed to or that violates the constitution don't assume they know exactly what they're doing and it's an agenda they might just go hey i'm wrong Is, you know it's like you just—it's like you read my article, or I, or, or I must have quoted you because you just said about a third of the things I wrote in there. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> are you, you going to sue me for plagiarism now? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or you can sue me. Well, it's just like yeah, we're just—I just each one of us, you know, the sides. It's the side thing. That was my whole premise: is like you don't have to pick a stupid side. You can be yeah. in the in the middle because there's 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 truth and validity on both. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have but to the destroy. One thing is, Go ahead. What side are you on? Because it's it's time to decide in some ways. This you know there is a, there is a case for sides, um, but it de- depends on what your definition of sides is. Yeah. Are, are you a Christian nation? Okay. Yes or no? Well, then you're on God's side if you say yes. But here's the thing: even if you do believe that, the, and I do, there is a there is an argument for sides. Just because you people would then say, well, is it okay to hate other people? If you are Christian and you, you, America says you're a Judeo-Christian nation, well, the message of Jesus, he said very clearly, what are the most important commandments? You must love God and you must love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. So even if, you are on, if you're not on God's side, quote unquote, then you st- your job is still clear. What is happening is that your sides are becoming so arbitrary. You know, like, you know, I get this all the time. One of the most frustrating things I get, and I, I, I've actually got to the point where I've started to be a different person when I start with, I used to, sorry, I've changed again, but I started getting snarky with people and that's not who I am. And I mean, nasty snarky where I'd make an argument on my show and people would go, Oh, what now all of a sudden you're on the Trump train. I'm like, no, I said he was right about something. Oh, you're on the train. You're trying to get on the train like everyone else. Or I'd criticize him. And then they'd be like, oh, what, you know, you're, you're never Trumper now. And I'm like, I'm just talking about a principle. It's not a side. Whereas you see this, even just that debate on the right, is we've just boiled everything down to an arbitrary point of, let's just divide ourselves over everything. The left started this in many ways. We have to decide, you know, it's not just God's side or other side. It's not left and right. It's, well, you know, you're a man. So you're on the man side and I'm a female, you're a female. So you're a different side. Oh, well, I'm white. I'm on this side. You're black. You're on this side. Oh, well, you're gay and you're straight. You're on different sides. And it's just been balkanized and balkanized into little tribes until the tribes have, you know, it started with left and right or Democrat and Republican. And they've just become so smaller and smaller and smaller where everyone hates everyone. And that's just not healthy. You know, we can have a conversation. We can be totally different and have totally different ways of life but we can be respectful to each other. It doesn't have to play into the media. But fighting, my friend, is sexy. Come on. That's what people I know. want. That's what we well, pay for. I, I don't think it's sexy. I, we were talking about it earlier on. I think what it is is if you have, and if I can use the analogy we spoke about ourselves earlier on, just in chit-chat, was like if I'm a really bad husband, right, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a Slav, I'm messy, you know, I, I expect you to cook my dinner all the time, you know, I sit in the sofa watching endless amount of TV, you know, I'm, I have, you know, round me like a load of beer cans and, you know, you know, takeout dishes and stuff. And I'm just like the worst husband you have. If I want to become a better husband, there's two ways I can do it. One, I can actually perk up my act and not be a slob and not sit around eating, watching telly all day, drinking beer and eating takeouts. Or I can go, you know what, honey? guess what? Yeah, I've got my faults and I'm a slob and I'm eating all these takeouts and getting drunk every day. But you know, your man down the corner, he beats his wife. 
or your man around the corner. You know, he's every Friday night he's out. You know, anything with a pulse, he's 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 chasing. You know, I'm not I'm not chasing and cheating on you. I'm here on the couch. I'm too lazy to cheat on you. I'm automatically better by default. So, and that's what's happening in our culture. We're becoming better by looking and pointing out other people's flaws. And again, I boil this back down to: you say you're a Christian nation. When you get to those pearly gates, or even if you don't believe in God, and you get to those pearly gates, play out that scenario in your head. What's your argument for getting into society? Is your argument going to be, well, God, I tried to be best, and I was nice to this person, and I did all these good deeds? Or are you going to go to God and go, listen, God, I had problems. I, I was a bad person. But, you know, at least I, I, I wasn't like those, you know, I wasn't Ted Kennedy doing Chappaquiddick. You know, you know I, I wasn't those 9-11 terrorists flying the building into, into the buildings. You know, think of the worst scum of humanity. I'm not them. Do you think God's going to go, oh, that's a good argument. You're not them. That's in, into heaven you go. Yeah. Or do you think God's going to go, no, I want to talk to you about you. Yeah. So, and I think the one thing I will say is people will take this as, because we're so sensitive about things, automatically we think I'm trying to shame you into do good. I'm not. I'm not trying to here to shame anyone. I'm here to encourage you because you can be better. No matter how great you were, you can always be better. And you must always strive for better because America is built on that premise of striving for better. You, were, you could have settled for things in the 1776 and you would have still riding around horses. You'd still be a good country, but you strove for better. You went to the moon. Right, you yeah. That's what the idea of America is always been better. And that is something I don't think we encourage anyone to be because we're so busy demonizing. I would say this to the left. I would say this to the right, but you're seeing it in your culture from the radical left where, you know, it's, it's bad to be strive to be bad. If you know, to be better, if you're white, if you're straight, if you're Christian, if you're a man, Oh no, you can't strive to be better. You're part of the patriarchy. No, no, you should always, I don't care who you are, strive to be better. That is always the aim in life. And why is that important? Because you only have one opportunity. You have one year, 80 years, or anything in between. You have one opportunity. You should always make of it what you will. And that is something that I think is absolutely powerful. And I think you're going to get past all this little divisive stuff. It may take a month. It may take 10 years, but you're going to get past it. And all of a sudden that tread will go on and then you can start being visionaries again. And that is something I cannot wait till it happens. Yeah. And it's a, and it's going to happen with each one of us. We think it's, we think it's going to, you know, when is America going to change and what are they going to do? And the question should be, what will I do? Because I can't control what they do. You know? Absolutely. And, you know, I, that's one of the frustrating things. In another, in another life, I was um, a national trainer for a charity. And I'd go around, you know, and this was helping poverty people and, you know, low-income families. And, you know, people would always go and go, well, how can you change the world? You know, we only have so much money and, you know, this, you know, you divide it up between so many people, you know, you're not re you're helping them, but you're not really making a difference to their life. And there's actually science to back this. This isn't just some crazy Irish guy saying this to you, but there's actually, you know, meta, you know, science out there and research that backs up what I'm about to say. It is the easiest thing in the world to change the world. Do you want to know how you can change the world right now? Go to someone and just smile at them. There is scientific data and it's backed up by data upon data where you smile at someone, the automatic reaction. Now, obviously, I mean, when I say smile, let me be crystal clear. I mean, smile in a nice, genuine way. I'm not talking like the creepy Paper old smile. guy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hey, you doing, honey? How you doing, eh? Yeah. yeah, and to any older people like me and you, Brian, you know, I'm not saying go smile at a 12-year-old girl because that'll get you in jail. But I'm just yes. being genuinely smile, right? Just so no one's putting words in my mouth here. But just genuinely smile. 
and the automatic reaction is to smile. But they even went so further in the amazement of how easy it is to change the world. They did this experiment where they, they had someone, I think it was in New York. If it wasn't New York, it was like a major city in America. And what they had do was they would have someone stand at a traffic light carrying a briefcase with paper in it. And what the, the, the survey was to do was to watch the impact of people where the guy, you know, the, the people involved didn't know this, but the person who was the actor holding the briefcase with the papers in it would automatically bump into someone, make it look like they're false and let all the papers fall. And what they saw, what they did was the research and they did all these people was they saw people who would help them and how they reacted to it and their, how their mood visibly changed by going, Hey, I, I'm really sorry. I saw, I hit off you. Oh my God, man. I'm so sorry. Here, let me bend down and pick up the papers. And it was a total random accident, which was, which was fake by the way, because yeah. it, you know, it was, it was a predetermined outcome. You were looking for them to respond. And what they saw was people automatically got better. Why? Because there's an endorphin, there's a drug in your system that, hey, I, I did something good for you. You know, the good deed for the day. Hey, I hit off someone. It was their fault, but you think it was yours because it was an actor. But you picked up the piece of paper. That releases a chemical in your brain that goes, that was really cool. But also the humanist condition is so great that people around us saw, hey, that was really cool. That guy just stopped. Like it was busy New York City, peak time. He stopped out of his way to pick up papers. That was a really cool thing. I must go, to, you know, I'm going to help someone and be somewhere nicer. And that is fundamentally how you change the world. Or if you want another simple way, just go to someone and just go, how you doing? And I don't mean the generic, hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for asking and end. I mean, no, how are you really doing? How, how's your marriage? How's life? How, how's work? Oh, work's not so good right now. Oh, what's going on? Oh, you know, I haven't made a sale or, you know, there's with coronavirus, there's, there's people been laid off and I think I might be next. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, and just talk to them. And you're not going to give them the answers because you don't have the answers to life, but just talk to people. It's really simple to change the world because that person then gets the benefit of saying, hey, I, you know, I had a conversation. I had a human interaction that wasn't phony. It was real. Someone cares about me. And then all of a sudden their lit mood is automatically lifted and they might go talk to someone. It is really simple to change the world. And again, this isn't just some Irish guy telling you it's simple. This is backed up by science and data. It's just, we don't want to do it anymore. I see. It's hard, but yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a human need to, to serve and help others. Um, it's, it's, and it, it, service is almost a, as odd as this may sound, it's almost a selfish act as well because you know you're going to get an awesome feeling for it yeah there's actually an interesting theory Selfish, that selfless. I remember. yeah there's an interesting theory i studied and i really hated it um i remember someone having a you know is you know these people who are like you know devil's advocate that's their role in life um and when i was doing stuff and they'd always point out flaws and stuff and i i really got frustrated with them for a while but i really have in, always enjoyed my correspondence with them one because it was respectful but two i always felt even though we left the conversation that we never agreed on anything because this person was really skeptical and you know everyone sucks you know even like you know down to you know you know helping an old lady cross the street or oh, they're doing it for some reason they want something and it really frustrated me. But one of the reasons I always appreciated was say, was it respectful, but I always learned something. But I remember a theory they used to love was that there is no selfless act in this world. And one of the frustrating things was because I, I tried and I still haven't proved it. I tried forever to prove this guy wrong. I was like, no, you're wrong. There is. And he's like, prove it to me. 
And I was like, but what about this? And then he had an idea. There is no selfless act. Why is that? Because we are built, as you said, to help the other people. Because we can live for money. And I think this is a large part of why you're seeing the people depressed in the world. If we're living just to get stuff, at the end of the day, when we die, whether you believe in God or you believe in heaven and, light and, and hell, ultimately we go into either a, a box into the ground or we go into an urn because we're cremated. It's the same for everyone, whether you're Christian or, or Jew or, or Gentile or whatever you are. And no matter how much stuff, you could have all the private planes, all the private yachts. No one will talk about that. That'll all be sold and given to your daughter, your son, or some charity. What is left is your impact and the impact you had on people and how you made people feel. It's why if I said to you, and I guarantee you this, I think I, I, think I remember read, reading something about this in a survey once was, if you went to the average person and said, you know what? I'm a millionaire. I have all the money in God's green earth. I donated $1,000 to someone because they were homeless. You'd go, great job. Aren't you absolutely wonderful? If that same person went, you know what? I saw someone who was homeless and I went and I brought them to the shelter and I helped them out. Yeah, I gave them a bit of money, but I listened to them. I bought them lunch. I had a conversation with them. And then I went and painted their little shack of a home, which would get more of a reaction from them for the millionaire. Yeah, it would, yeah the one that it didn't would be, have it. Yeah, the one person who spent time. Why is that? Because money, we all have different amounts. Some are rich, some are poor, some are super rich, some are super poor. But at the end of the day, we all have a certain amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days a week. And we all have a certain amount of years on this earth. It's the impact that matters. And that is why we're built to serve other people, to help people. And I think if we actually stop looking for meaning in stuff, you know, what's frustrating to me is this is so obvious by data. You have, there's never been a time where you've had more stuff. You know, the idea of a, like a game console, of a phone, is still a relatively new phenomenon. We're only talking about 15, 20 years. Yet why are people more unhappy? You have more access to talk to people and meet new people, whether it's through Facebook and social media to meet friends and like-minded people. You can even tailor it. You don't have to just meet people. You can go, hey, I only want to talk to people of this attitude. You can find anyone you want. You can go onto Tinder, swipe left, swipe right, whatever's good. You can go onto these dating websites, find a partner. Why are we so unhappy? I would argue that some of it is, a good part of it is, we're looking for a meaning and happiness in stuff, and you won't find it. Where you find real happy, happiness and meaning is in a mission, is in love, is in humanity. And I think that is something we need to get back to. And I do believe we will get back there. We will cop on and go, what we're doing and what we're living is a lie right now. Yep. We're going through some bumpy, bumpy times, but you're right. It's, it's ebbs and flows and, and with, you know, attitudes like yours and, and just, you know, just trying to be kind and just, yeah, change the world by changing yourself first and then reaching out to that one, you know, exactly. And you know, for anyone, and for anyone, because I did a show a couple of weeks ago and I got a lot of negative feedback on it. They went, oh, so where America's over and the world is over, you know, let's just all wait for Jesus. No, this is just another era that we're going, as we said in human history, you know, ebbs and flows. This is a, this, you know, if you think this is a bad time, then this is a, you know, a downtime for America and a downtime for the idea of America and a downtime for like being nice and kind to people. But you've overcome so much in your past. And especially, you know, this is true for anyone in the world. But, you know, if you just look at history, American history and how inspirational it is, you know, you're the, you're the country that said, you know what? Hmm, you know what would be a good idea? We're not a country yet, but we're going to go fight the superpower today. 
you know, they're the most well-trained army, well-experienced army, well-equipped army. They've got cannons. They've got guns. They're going to be well-fed. They're well-taught out. They know exactly our strategies we're going to do. And we're going to fight them with pitchforks. Not all our men will have shoes. Not all our men will have bedding. Not all our men will eat properly. We'll eat the same dulls crap every day, every day. And we're going to fight them and we think we're going to win. Yeah, you did. You know, you did this again in 1812 and you fought them a second time. And you, because everyone said, oh, that was a fluke. Well, it wasn't because you beat them in 1812. Then, you know, slavery comes along or, you know, the issue of the civil war and fixing slavery. Well, you're never going to fix that because you're going to have brother against brother and father against son. Guess what? You solved the civil war. Then, well, what happened with the Great Depression? Well, guess what? You solved that. World War II, Nazism. Despite, you know, your, your country lauding people like FDR who were hacks, you know, there were times when that war wasn't looking so good, you know, because America didn't want to get involved. And like Churchill was like, you got to get involved because you may not think it's a problem for you now, but we're, our fleet is going to fall. Our, you know, our Navy's going to fall and all our ships will all of a sudden have swastikas on it. And they won't be just coming for England. They'll be coming for you. It was bad then, but we called them the greatest generation for a long period of time. In some places we still do because we actually have respect for our past. We had this in World War or in the Cold War where everyone, even in your own country, was like, I'd rather live on my knees than die on my feet. And the Star Wars is the biggest load of BS. It won't, it's not true. Well, you know, it didn't work. You know, people then had it. You know, we need to set, accept the taunt, which was a policy back then. You know, everyone thought, you know, in the Cold War was automatically going to have mutually assured destruction. Reagan gets into office and, you know, is strong in conviction, said, Mr. President, tear down this wall. And through a lot of other influence of, you know, the German people looking for freedom, you know, Margaret Thatcher, John Paul, a lot of other people got involved. And what happened? The Cold War was ended without bloodshed, without mutually assured destruction. We've been through bad times before. We'll be through bad times in the future. It's all about how we respond. Because here's the good thing, and I can tell you this as a person who works out in the gym, the only way you get better is through pain. I lift a lot of weights. I'm a powerlifter now. It, this is biological. This is about your body. This is science. Again, this is not some Irish person telling your opinion. If you're in the gym and you're not lifting weights and you're lifting weights and you're not in agony, you're not growing. That's how you get it. You want your muscles to ache because you're literally ripping the muscles and the scar tissue and making them grow bigger, getting the blood into the new muscle. That is how you grow. You don't grow through everything is great and everything is awesome. It isn't even in peachy. No, you grow through adversity. And that is something our world needs to embrace again. Amen, brother. That's a, that's a great ending point. Um, you've got, I love your, your, your concepts, your ideas, your, your attitude. Um, it's been an absolute blessing to have you here again and um, looking forward to seeing you when we get, you get on your speaking tour. Um, any final thoughts or questions? Maybe I didn't ask that you, that you think I should have, that people should know. Not anything else I'd say is I'm doing a speaking tour starting January 23rd, 2021, because uh, I'm rather passionate. I don't know whether that comes across about America, the idea. No, I was wondering if you're you know, lacking <laughs> yeah. a little enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, I, I found it in today. You know, I don't know. Um, no, I, I'm very passionate about your country and about the idea. And we're in a period of time now where tyranny is growing and government is growing and we're making the same mistakes we've made in the past. 
Um, so I'm doing a speaking tour. So if you have a group, I speak for free. I'm not looking to make money. I'm going to invest about 10 K of my own money. Um, cause this message needs to be heard now more than ever. So if you have a group, um, get in touch and um, get in touch on social media and I'll send you a bio and you know, you can send it on to ever who, you know, the powers that be, and we can, we'll hopefully see you in, in 2021. And we're going to share a lot of, we're going to share a lot of positivity. Um, because despite all the problems, we're not, we're not blindfolded. I'm not saying take a load of blue pills. I'm saying the, yes, there's problems but we're going to address them and how we're going to address them is we're going to talk about facts we're going to talk about history we're going to talk about principle that no one likes to talk about you know the idea of the constitution and liberty that there is no problem that we face right now that man can't solve and that's what we need to do well and people think how can i fix it how can i change but we each one of us have so much power more than we even realize to to make the change and to to grow um we don't need to rely on anyone else to do things. We have to do that. We have to be that person. You know, Absolutely. so I appreciate all that you're doing. You're, you are a freaking powerhouse and this, the message you have is amazing. And, and I try to share as much as I can, not I that. the way you do it because you are gifted unlike myself, but, uh, Anyway, you're too harsh, brother. You're too harsh. No, but the, I think that the thing about it is, you know, anyone can change the world, you know, with social yeah. media, with, with, you know, life, with your church, with your work, you know, it's really simple. It's just, it takes work. And sometimes it takes a lot of pain and sacrifice, but everything that is worthwhile in life and um, nev- heaven knows how to put a bounty on its, on its blessings. And it knows how to do it. And it's done it in the past, but we can do it again. But the thing is, we're, if, you know, if you dispute that you're gonna, I don't know whether John's right or not. There's only one guaranteed outcome in life, whether it's about to lose weight, to lift a lot of weight, to be the best you can be in your job, to be the best husband. There's only one guaranteed outcome in that life. And that is if you do nothing. If you do nothing, I guarantee you, as not a God, but as a person, I guarantee you 100% of the time, you will fail 100% of the time if you do nothing. The idea of America is taking that chance. And I think if you look at history, my God, how much have we benefited as people who are alive today because your founders took a chance. Because George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, John Adams took a chance, Ben Franklin, they all took a chance. But even the, you know, if you don't want to make it about the founding and constitution, look at how we're alive today because of the greatest generation, because of those 17 and 18 year old people who said, you know what, there's a great tyranny. Nazism is, is an ideology that belongs in the dustbin of history. Let's defeat it. Look how much we have benefited because they risked their lives so we can live a better life. Don't you think our kids and our grandkids and future generations deserve the same sacrifice? That is something we need to work on. Agreed. Agreed. We've been a little soft. So yeah, I agree. We can be better. All right, man. Always you can be better. Even if you're great, you can be better. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, thank you again. I will put all your uh, ways to contact you in my show notes and, um, we look forward to seeing you in January. Uh, thanks so much for having me. And uh, it's, it's always fun to talk to you. And I can't wait to see you in January. And so see some of your listeners, please, God. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. 